Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, actually. I, uh, I just had some breakfast. I woke up later than I'd like. That's kind of been an issue this whole week, actually. I spend too long in bed on my phone. And this is something that I've started tracking in my daily notes in Rome. Uh, and so looking at my answers over the past week, it's like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes. It's just like a complete waste. <laughs> Wait, sorry. How, how much time are you spending having breakfast? No, no. In, in bed before actually getting out of bed. <laughs> oh, Rob, just like lying there or do you, do uh, no, you no, take no, your the, phone into bed with you? No, no. So my, my alarm is on, on my phone on my desk. I get out of bed to like turn the alarm off. And like... I'm actually, I'm sort of awake at this point, but then I think, uh, the bed would feel really good. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take the phone into the bed. <laughs> and then I spend a lot, a, a large amount of time there. Um, and yeah, I think it's always like, it's always that, yeah, the thought process is always like, ah, it'll just be five minutes today. Today will be different, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Mate, I know the feeling. This is exactly what I've been doing on my days off and on weekends. Where I just think, <laughs> oh, you know, it's like when you wake up in the morning and you think I've got stuff I could do today. But to be honest, I could do stuff on my phone as well. You get back in, you open the open the curtains, you get that flood of light, and you think, <laughs> oh, this is the life. I'm just going to lie here. I think yesterday I was doing it, and I was I was on my phone for like literally an hour and a half, just, just like lying in bed. Half. It was excessive. In fairness, I was doing semi-productive things like, you know, chatting to Angus and Liz and Christian and stuff, who are my, my team members now, um, which was quite productive. But yeah, I just a long the, time otherwise. I think the biggest tragedy of it is that it's not... It's not even that fun. You could be having more fun if you just get out of bed and do anything else. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 pretty fun just kind of lying and vegetating a little bit. Uh, I suppose. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. That's that's me. How about you? What's it, going on? Oh well, I'm doing all right actually. Uh, I've I've recently gotten into watching Yu-Gi-Oh on YouTube. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice, dude. That's sick. How did how did you get into that? <gasps> I think one day I was in the middle, uh, this was like last week, I was in the middle of filming this productivity Skillshare class um, and my takeaway for lunch had arrived and I had my iPad in front of me and it was too much of a ball ache to get to the laptop to because it was all like connected to everything. Yeah. So on my iPad, I just, I just opened up, I just opened up YouTube and for some reason I had the thought that, huh, I wonder what happens in Yu-Gi-Oh 5Ds. <laughs> and, <laughs> And then I, I just started watching, and then I, and then I started being recommended Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexel, which was this new series. And then I found this with this one video where some dude was spending, I spent like forty-five minutes going over his rarest Yu-Gi-Oh! cards and how much they're worth. Oh, nice. and, I, and I watched it for the whole forty-five minutes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the the YouTube algorithm realized that I'm I'm into this sort of shit. So, <laughs> yeah. like, like actually earlier today, I was slightly delayed on the toilet because one of the videos that got recommended to me was a summary of the entire Yu-Gi-Oh! Dual Monsters GX and Five Ds and Zexel timelines all put together by some dude on Crunchyroll, which was again forty-five minutes long so obviously i was watching at double speed um but yeah i've just i've just kind of gotten gotten down this rabbit hole and i've actually been thinking huh i wonder if i can get into competitive Yu-Gi-Oh gameplay <laughs> so so how does this that's fit? that's what's going on in my life how does that fit into your productivity shtick isn't this a complete waste of time 
aren't you a waste of life in your in your own words i am i am a waste of life but i think i'm being i'm being reasonably productive anyway and therefore it's fine oh, okay i think that's something that i've had it i'm gaining more of an appreciation for in this in this kind of lockdown period that even if that like if i get enough done for the day then it actually doesn't really matter yeah and everything is just kind of you know just going so well that even if i'm not overly productive one week like it's 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 not going to move the needle it's yeah. not actually going to change anything so yeah 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 I've, I've i've been thinking similar thing where it's like i just feel like the 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 time i spend sitting at a desk doing what looks like work is fairly it's it's kind of is quite a few steps removed from progress and like the pro- progress doesn't re- rarely comes from me sitting at my desk doing stuff that feels like work i it comes in random spurts of things that just happen uh and so what, what do you mean like yeah like i think spent you know there there have been times in the past couple of months where i felt a pressure of like oh i need to i want to like i want to like do this thing today or like um you know i should i should like stay up late and kind of do a bit more on on something um actually i i think it's i think what i'm basically getting at is uh the sort of diminishing returns versus like zero to one sort of thing where most progress comes from like you know zero to one type projects or yeah zero to one type work rather than slaving away at incremental work on existing things and look you need both of course but i'm trying to like yeah in in my head i don't really value the incremental stuff that much which which is dangerous because like it is important to just do the incremental stuff well consistently over time how are you defining progress because this is something i've been thinking about a lot um Last week, when I hired a personal assistant, uh, <laughs> lol, uh, I started reading all these books and podcasts about how to manage a personal assistant and executive assistants and things. And I came across a dude called Michael Hyatt. Have you have you come across him? Uh, I might follow him on Twitter. Name rings a bell. Yeah, so he's like some business dude. Uh, he he's like in his he must be in his like fifties or something. But he's he's like he's like the traditional kind of smiling American face. What you'd imagine of like a kind of happy businessman with like a nice loving family type okay, type situation. Yeah, if you yeah. if you imagine imagine what I'm getting at. Um, and he's written all these books about kind of being a vision driven leader and about like management and how to work with a team and, and things like that. So the one the the book of his I'm reading at the moment is called The Vision Driven Leader. And the point he's making is that. Actually, if you're a leader in any domain, you, you've got to have a vision for it, a vision for the future that you want, that you're trying to build. Yeah. And I've really been struggling with this. So I, I wonder how, we, like, what's what's your vision for, for example, causal or the, the stuff that you're doing? How do you, like, what's the yardstick for progress for you? Uh, I think the the vision is really to change change the way people think about numbers, man. Like, this is going to sound... <laughs> this, no, it's fine, mate. Visions are supposed re- to be lofty. Re- no, no, this is going to... It's Yeah, I think it's going to sound lofty and, like, weirdly obscure and niche. But I actually think it's a very fundamental thing. Uh, yeah, we, we want to change the way people think about numbers and get people to... Okay, I mean, if you just look at the way people talk about numbers, if you look at stuff you read in the news, if you look at any of this thing, uh, you know, people talk about numbers in a very particular misleading way look we've talked about this a couple of episodes ago about like averages and and people yeah talking about numbers as like single things and there was a very good uh there was a very good post by scott alexander this week did you read this one it was um let me find the title and we will hopefully remember to link it in the show notes perfect where have you found the scott alexander post yeah yeah it's called a failure but not of prediction it's basically talking about like what but yeah what basically why has the media's coverage of the coronavirus been such a complete shambles? And why has there been such a big difference between like 
what people have been reporting, what other people have been believing. You know, there have been some people who thought this was a big deal from the start. There have been some people who didn't really take it seriously and like the media is trying to make sense of it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, there's a good, there's a good cartoon in this post called Goofus and Gallant, where Goofus is uh, the sort of idiot and Gallant is the non-idiot. Uh, and it has a, it has a picture of, it basically says Goofus treats new ideas as false until somebody provides inc- incontrovertible evidence that they are true. Gallant does cost-benefit analyses and reasons under uncertainty. <laughs> and look, this this sounds so niche, but it's so fundamental. Um, if you just think about the way you think about numbers, the way like you make decisions, I think like I think most people are not thinking about uncertainty in the slightest, and. Uh, there is great benefit in doing that. And we'll link to a couple of these things. Yeah, basically, I think as a result of this coronavirus crisis, a lot of people are starting to appreciate and reach the conclusion that these you know, numbers that you hear are completely meaningless unless you have some idea of how confident you can be in those numbers. And so, you know, some newspaper will get some ex- alleged expert to say that, oh, I think, I think there's like this, the coronavirus is this bad. But like, I, I mean... You need to know how how certain this guy or or girl is about this prediction, uh, otherwise it's it's just meaningless. Okay, wait. What do you mean? I I'm I'm struggling to see how quantifying the uncertainty level of that would be helpful. So, for example, I've been asked in a couple of interviews recently that uh, how long do you think this pandemic will last? And I'm like, oh, look, man, uh, I'm not an expert. Blah 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 blah. But I guess uh, at, at least until August. But I'm sure we'll see the ramifications of it up, up until for the next few years. Like, how in in what in what way does quantifying the uncertainty of that actually help? Uh, for example, I think in, in a lot of these situations of like people talking to the media or the media trying to like figure something out, they will ask someone like, you know, they'll basically ask like, what is your best guess of this thing? Like, how long do you see this thing lasting? Uh, and, you know, if, if, an, if the expert's best guess is like, I don't know, one month, but they think there's like a, you know, 30 percent chance it could be 12 months or something uh then like that's that's very that's very useful information to know right that's very different from just take having the takeaway that it's like oh so and so said it's one month great okay especially especially when there is a large cost associated with these other outcomes so there's a good example given in the post about um uh just a sec uh yeah so in the post he says that like what he says what what was what was the percentage attached to your coronavirus probably won't be a disaster prediction was it 29% that 29% was the same percentage that Nate Silver who's a very uh, good political uh sort of predictor Nate Silver said there was a 29% chance Trump would win the election um and most people interpreted that as Trump probably won't win and they were very shocked when he did win and yeah. so like if 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 you know if you're talking about the statement coronavirus probably won't be a disaster uh what's your like percentage for how you know how, how confident you are in that is it like 29 percent? like the trump thing is like 20 percent is like 10 percent um and he says that you know w- at, at the point when people started making these predictions wuhan was already under total lockdown they didn't have space to bury all the bodies and so it, it would seem ridiculous for anyone to say that there was less than a 10 percent chance that this would be a problem elsewhere and so if there is a 10 you know worse you know optimistically if there is a 10 percent chance then the headlines and the way people think about that is like, ah, it's probably not going to happen. Nothing to worry about. There's only a 10, you know, yeah. there's probably less than 10% chance. But the real takeaway should be that, wow, there is a 10% chance that there is about to be a pandemic that devastates the global economy, kills hundreds of thousands of people and prevents you from leaving your house for months. 
And like that 10% is very meaningful, you know, given what the potential ramifications are. And look, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm straying from my main point, you know, basically I'd, I'd like uh, for causal to be able to get people thinking about numbers in a different way and, and really thinking about uncertainty. Wait, well, hang on. So on that note, so is it that you're saying that we tend not to like, like intuitively think about the probabilities? For example, um, an, 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 an example that comes to mind is we had a teaching session a few months ago before lockdown, which was about uh, uh, TIAs, which stands for uh, transient ischemic attacks, which is a type yeah. of mini stroke that you get. And uh, if you have a TIA, essentially, you would get what looks like a stroke. So you would have kind of weakness of one side of your face, your face would droop, you wouldn't be able to move your arm or leg, for okay. example. But those symptoms would last for less than 24 hours, because you just have this transient short term loss of or blood supply to a bit of your brain, which is causing these problems, but then it goes it goes back to normal. Um, and the guy who was teaching us was one of these stroke consultants, and he was saying that, okay, look, when you see a TIA, it's very easy to dismiss it, but you have to recognize that there is a 5% chance that a TIA, that in the next 24 hours, they're going to have a stroke. And he was like, all right, why don't we think about that for a bit, for a minute? Imagine if you were going on a flight, and the people of the flight said, oh, you know, we're experiencing some like engine difficulties, but it's all right. There's there's only five percent chance that this plane is going to crash. Yeah. Would you get on that plane? The answer, absolutely not. So why on earth are you sending patients home <laughs> who've had a TIA dismissing a simply a five percent chance? It's like this is never going to happen, even though it's going to happen all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think that. Yeah, yeah. that's that, that kind of uh, thing. Yeah, that's big, big part of like reasoning probabilistically. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. Uh, but I also think it's like, yeah, it's partly like people just don't think in that way in general, uh, and they should. Uh, and it's partly just that we are used to communicating in a particular way. Uh, and it is not the norm to communicate in terms of uncertainty rather than in terms of fixed numbers. Uh, and so, yeah, I would be very happy if we can play some small part in changing the way that people just communicate about numbers. You know, like, for example... If any, if any, if if someone says like some study shows this thing, right? Like the first question that's going to come to anyone's mind in in vaguely for anyone in the scientific community is like, okay, well, what was the sample size for that study, right? That's a, like a very natural first thing to think, um, and that's you know that's a good thing to think. However, if any layperson reads a number in the newspaper or on the on the on the computer, then they they don't think any there's 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 no subsequent like okay like how you know so and so said this how confident are they actually in this thing uh, and like what is the what is like the risk if they are wrong about this thing yeah so uh, I know what you mean like often on on YouTube and things I see these uh, videos called why no one understands statistics and it's some video explaining sample size or explaining p values or, or something like that and I've always kind of felt that uh, I kind of know this stuff but. Uh, I wonder if, I don't know, I wonder if I've actually got a blind spot there in that I don't actually appreciate this uncertainty stuff as much as I think I do. Because I think I reason fairly probabilistically and I, I'm, I'm, I'm often uh, internally irritated when, for example, Mimi does not reason probabilistically. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, on, the, on the point of, so 29% chance that Donald Trump would be elected, was this at the, when it was one against one? Or was this like... Uh, because I can't if, remember. If, I think it was when it was one and one. Because if it's twenty nine percent chance when it's one on one, then there's a significantly more likelihood that Hillary would have been elected. Okay. So, what's your? So, uh, I'm I'm not sure what point you were making in that. Uh, I I was reading that from the post, and the point he was making was that people interpreted the twenty nine percent as Trump probably won't win, and they were very shocked when he did win. Whereas, if you roll a dice and it comes up one or a two, 
you're not going to be shocked. <laughs> it's like, you're gonna yeah. Be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, fair play. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, fair yeah, enough. it's just... Anyway, so, yeah, this is like... We're, we're moving further and further away from Cordell. The, the the vision is for people to be able to communicate with numbers in a in a different way. Okay. Um that's interesting. That, that that sounds like a very well well thought out vision. I don't I don't think I have anywhere near as much of a vision as as such. Yeah, I think we had a chat about this in the car uh a couple of months ago. I can't remember where we were going. But I was asking you like why are you doing all this stuff? Um and yeah, I think we were trying to get at this. And I think the conclusion was that like I think yeah, from what I recall of the discussion, I think you just said you said something like, you know, it's it's like fun. It makes some money, and you know, let's just—I don't really think too far ahead. That those those two things seem pretty good to, as a reason for doing something. Yeah, so um, I haven't really thought about it. Thought about it at all. I tend to have very sort of short-termy thinking on this this sort of stuff. That in general, if it increases my options, and in general, if it's fun and it makes a bit of money, then it's worth doing. But what good old Michael Hyatt suggests is that, especially when you start kind of leading a team of people, and now there's like three people on the team. Uh, two full-time and one part-time when you start leading a team of people at that point it really does matter what your vision is because from the vision you set like what your goals are and from your goals you set what your kind of day-to-day mission is going to be and and all that kind of stuff and that's what i've been really struggling with so what's been your approach with like leading this team of people right now do you do you just come up with random ideas of like oh i think this youtube video would be good hey why don't we make this one and then let's do this random thing and then let's do this random thing sort of uh there there is a sort of method to the to the madness um which uh through kind of having a meeting with a business coach uh liam who who you've spoken to as well i was very skeptical about this when i first met him a few months ago because i was like oh come on you know what does a business coach really do uh but he like we talked about the the different things that the business is doing the different streams of revenue and figured out okay what's our what's our goal by the end of the year to hit what sort of revenue in in each of these different domains or to hit what sort of uh, metrics. So f- yeah. for example, uh, by the end of the year, we want to have published a book about study te- techniques or a book about productivity. Okay, okay, fine. So that's like your annual goal. And then you break that down into quarterly goals. Okay, so by the end of June, what needs to have happened by the end of August, what needs to have happened in order to make that a reality? Yeah. And it was things like, for example, Skillshare classes were doing quite well in terms of revenue. So it'd be nice to make more of those. How many, still, how many Skillshare classes do we want to make every quarter? And just kind of thinking about it in those very basic terms actually helped shape a lot of the direction where we're going now because now it's like there is some sort of some sort of plan however loose that plan is yeah that we do stuff on and so when i'm thinking about what i do for the week and what these guys are doing for the week it's like okay well we ideally want to get the skillshare out by june want this one out by, by july so that means we need to plan it over here and we've got all these videos that keep on going and we're ahead of sponsored video schedule by a few weeks so that's fine we don't have to worry about that but it still feels very sort of day-to-day and apparently what you're supposed to do when you're kind of leading a team is that each team member has their own like sort of quarterly goals things that they're working on so that they have their own direction rather than coming to me every every week and being like you know what do i do this week yeah how do you do it at at the causal uh at the causal we broadly have something that we're trying to accomplish in a month so a month is like the longest time frame of goal at the moment okay uh and then we base our work around like what is going to move the needle on that thing that we're trying to accomplish by the end of the month okay so what's what's an example of your sort of monthly so this this month uh our goal was to have in the final week of april uh 100 people who 
did more than like 50 events in causal or something so basically like 100 people who really had a you know spent some serious time using causal in, okay. a, in the final that's week a, of april that, that, sounds, that sounds very arbitrary how do you how do you come up with that uh so the general the general thing that we're focusing on right now is getting more people to like the aha moment so you know for for quite a while the product was extremely hard to use it still is quite hard to use in a lot of aspects and people would kind of you know they think it's cool uh you know everyone looks at the site and it's like oh whoa this looks cool i'd like to try this out uh and that's that's a nice to have but then what what people usually run into is that they sign up they make an account they try to use the product they can't really figure it out and in about after about five minutes they like give up and leave uh and what we found is that the people who get past the hurdles and figure out how to use it they absolutely love it like they're going to use it uh they're not going to go back to uh, spreadsheets unless they absolutely have to um and yeah the, the people who reach the aha moment and who really get get it uh they will end up sticking around it's just that most people are not getting to that point because it's too difficult and so uh the idea is that we basically want almost anyone to be able to get to the aha moment and so this like 100 people uh, you know if someone if someone is doing like 50 events in causal uh, in like one session they've probably reached you know they, they've they've reached past the point where they might just give up randomly you know and so yeah this 100 people 50 events uh within the same like week or something it's kind of getting at that idea okay um and just like actually on that note i've i find myself having to create a google sheet the other day for like forecasting financials and i was thinking i wonder if i can do this in causal but then i was thinking now nah, like just in my head causal seems too complicated why does this. it seem complicated Se- it seems complicated because, for example, the specific use case is that I want to project what Skillshare revenue is going to be for the next few months, just because. Um, and the way Skillshare revenue is, it's, it's based on how many minutes of watch time you've had each month okay. and based on a value per minute of watch, of watch time. Okay. So the number of minutes of watch time fluctuates based yeah. on kind of month to month. Yeah. The value per minute of watch time fluctuates based month to month based Ideal. on what Skillshare feel Ideal. like doing. How the hell are you going to do this in a spreadsheet, mate? Well, so I have, I have, I, I literally have a column for kind of November, December, January, February, March, April. I've copied and pasted the the values from watch time in minutes, so like twenty eight thousand minutes of watch time. Yeah. I've then copied and pasted the amount of money I got paid by Skillshare each time. By the yeah. way, this is not sponsored by Skillshare, but if you want, go to Skillshare.com slash not overthinking. Um, and then I've done a divide to work out the cost per, the sort of yeah. revenue per minute of watch time. And now I want to sort of project that into the future, but I mean, I can't really. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I mean, I can, I can, I can average what the watch, what, what the cost per minute of no, watch time you is. You won't and... be averaging anything. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's what you won't be doing. <laughs> yeah. So you think I can do that in causal with, with, with real data? Yeah. Okay. So you can talk me through that afterwards. Yeah. But why do you have this perception that is complicated? Is it because I, I, well, pers- I keep talking about probability and stuff? No, it's not. I have the perception that it's complicated mainly, mainly because it's not obvious to me how I can. It's 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 obvious to me how to plug existing data into a Google Sheet. I literally just type it in and I copy and okay, paste. Okay. It is not obvious to me how causal how I can essentially plug that data into causal. The the oh, image okay. I have of causal in my head after hearing you talk about it so long is that I have to come up with some kind of model in advance and know what the variables are. But I have no real way of I I, I have no mental model for can I plug real numbers into this? Oh, okay, right. Yeah, you can. We can talk about that afterwards, basically. Okay, cool. We'll talk about that afterwards. Um, so coming back to this point about vision then so your vision our overall vision is change the way people think about numbers and then you don't really have any because of sort of annual goals and stuff i suppose because things are moving so fast that annual goals become a bit pointless 
Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say anything's moving so fast. I'd probably say that there's too much uncertainty <laughs> that like annual goals don't really make sense for us right now. Okay, that makes sense. So then each month you decide, okay, what's, what's our key performance indicator for this month going to be and how do we move people towards that? Yeah, so like, for example, last month uh, we had like, uh, you know, we wanted to start generating some real revenue and we thought we'd found a good niche uh, for particular types of company, marketing agencies that might really um, get some value from causal. Uh, and so our goal was to get to a certain amount of revenue in the month. Uh, and, you know, we started off some conversations which seemed promising, but then the whole coronavirus stuff hit uh, and basically no one is looking to buy new software right now. And like, you know, that kind of threw a spanner in the works. And so like things, yeah, things just change very frequently. And so, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I need to figure out what, what like for my, for my YouTube stuff and associated endeavors, what is the vision there? Who is the target audience and what is the value proposition? This is an, another thing I've been thinking about a lot through, um, I've, I, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, I've started this eight week program called Video Labs. Oh yeah, yeah where you did you mention get, it, yeah. Yeah, coached, coached into how to grow a YouTube channel. And that's like a huge part of that is figuring out the target audience and the value proposition. And so, um, yeah, I've just been kind of sitting down and trying to chat to people and be like, who is the sort of the ideal person that I want to target with my videos and stuff? Yeah, the ICP, ha- Ideal Customer Profile. Oh, is that what it's called? That's one of the things it's called, yeah. User Persona, ICP, yeah, that's all like. Ah, okay. So uh, kind of before I say anything more, what do you think, just kind of based on what you know of my of my shtick, that you think the ICP for, for the shtick would be? I'd say it's probably a sort of secondary school student who wants to get into university and wants to, yeah, I, th- I think like that. that's probably what I'd, what I'd say. Okay, how old is a secondary school student? Like 15? Uh, yeah, probably like, yeah, I'd say like, yeah, secondary school or like university students, maybe like age 15 to 21 who, yeah, wants to be more productive in some way. Okay, that's interesting. Because like all this, the, the stats show that the 13 to 17 demographic is absolutely, is like 5% of the audience. 18 to 24 is the biggest. 24 to 35 is the next biggest. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and a lot of the star as in, I feel like a lot of the emails I get on aren't aren't from secondary school students. They're not from people under eighteen. They're normally people so, sort of who are either at university or, for example, recent graduates looking to improve their life in some way or another. Oh, okay. I think I think the productivity shtick, yeah, people looking to be be more productive. But I'm really struggling to figure out what because the channel isn't isn't just about productivity, and I don't want it to just be about productivity. Like the the phrase I have in my head is uh, sharing sharing strategies principles and tools for helping us living live happier more productive lives okay so i'm 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 big on the happiness shtick but i'm just not really sure how to kind of articulate that or whether that needs to be articulated in a in in any way at all because for example what people recommend is uh video uh video creators for example the guys who do this training they have this spiel which is hey well hey guys welcome back to video creators where where we help you make more money save more time and change and change lives with your with with online video and that's like their shtick which they just repeat all the time yeah uh pat flynn's from smart passive income is um is something similar to that how you you can make more money with less time so you can help more people sort of situation right but i'm finding it hard to come up with a sort of sound bite that works for my stuff other than you know sharing the ways in which we can live happier more productive lives which sounds a, a bit like eh. i have a, <laughs> yeah. i have a word for you that i think will be yeah. good the yeah. word is thoughtful and i think i think in your you you've tried to take a 
a more sort of philosophical approach to all the classic topics. I think what mm. it's getting at the idea is that you want, you're trying to help people live more thoughtfully in their lives. So I, I think that, I think that thoughtful is a good word that sums up the like happiness kind of that side of things. Um, I, I think productive is a good word. Like surely, surely productive is fine. Oh yeah. I think productive is fine. It's just like there's something. So I think in an ideal world, um, one of my team guys, Angus, who's going to be editing this podcast conveniently, uh, he, he, he and I were chatting on Zoom the other day and he was saying, right, thought experiment. Imagine that you were starting YouTube from scratch. What would you want your content to be? And I was like, oh, that's a good question. And I said something like um, productivity, tech, personal development, uh, book reviews, uh, that sort of stuff, right. which is sort of the direction I'm going. But then also... I I kind of want to bring in the sort of healthy living aspect of it more over time. Like right now, there isn't much of the healthy aspect of it, but it would be nice to do sort of to get good at like cooking and stuff and fitness and exercise and, and all these things with the lens of kind of thoughtful plus productivity applied to it. So that it's not, this is how you sp- uh, spend five hours making a curry. It's like, this is how you spend 10 seconds making a curry. This is the bare minimum you need to do to make it taste nice. This is the sort of 80-20 of the exercise you should be doing. That sort of stuff. So why why is it this like collection of topics that you'd want to make your YouTube channel about if you were starting over? Because uh, it's all like personal development related and it's all kind of fun and it's all the stuff that I enjoy anyway. Okay. Like I can't imagine making a, for for example, uh, you know, clothing haul or yeah, sure. tutorials yeah, yeah. or things. Yeah, that's just not me. Whereas talking about, oh my God, guys, I just read this great book called, I don't know, The Power of Habit by whatever his name is or, or something. And yeah. here are the lessons, take, take away from that. that w- that's like genuinely fun. But then it sounds like, you just want to you just want to do fun stuff and make videos about it, <laughs> rather than some overarching goal or vision that you want. Yeah, to Yeah, that's the problem. I just want to. I like. I literally just want to do fun stuff and make videos about it because it's cool. What's but, wrong with that? Why do you, know, why do you feel... need some air, arty farty vision? <laughs> <laughs> because your thing sounded so good, man. You know, I want to change the way people think about numbers. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Each to their own. <laughs> Whereas my thing is uh, actually, I don't know. Um, the Derek Sivers slash Basecamp approach would be kind of more in line with mine. Is that we're not trying to change the world. We're just trying to make an, a nice business that's profitable, that's fun to work in, and that serves our customers reasonably well. Yeah. So I wonder if that's an acceptable way of looking at it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if David Dobrik has a, a like, I'm pretty sure his whole thing, and he's he's described his channel as this, as just like having fun with my friends and, and making videos about it. Like, that's it. I, I don't know. I don't want to like, I don't want to speak for David. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think he has. I'm sure he has some like grand vision in terms of like what he wants to uh, do and like and that kind of stuff. But I don't think he has some grand vision in terms of like I want to help people do X or something. But then yeah, you oh. probably say that uh, he's in a different category because his is uh, entertainment, whereas yours is about like education or something. Yeah, potentially. Um, so I wonder if maybe so the grand vision is just that kind of helping people live happier, more productive lives, <laughs> thoughtful. Help helping people live more thoughtfully. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't see. I don't see the issue with that, mate. Okay. Like, why do you actually want this vision thing? Apply, oh, and because, don't say it sounds cool. No, because uh, a because uh, Michael Hyatt told me to, and because and b in in video labs they say that basically what you want to do is you want to communicate the value proposition of your channel either implicitly or explicitly essentially as often as possible so that when a new viewer comes to your channel they think yeah okay this is about this is definitely for me and they'd be like oh my god like where has this been my whole life for the right sort of person 
Okay, so in that sense, like, what's wrong with, uh, I, you know, I want to help people live happier and more productive lives. Like, is it is that just, like, too vague or something? Like, who's who's going to say no to that? Like, <laughs> happier and more productive life, screw you, I'm out of here. <laughs> I think my main concern with it is that it just sounds a bit cringe. Do you think it sounds cringe, given that your cringometer is far more sensitive than mine? I think it's... In this context, it's not. Like, everyone gets a cringe pass in this context, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, yeah, in the context of, like, a tagline for your YouTube channel. Yeah, I don't think cringe is... Yeah, I mean... Okay, so I can get, I can get a cringe pass. I've, I've, I've been trying to come up with ways to make it a bit more... A bit more British rather than American. Because American would be, on this channel, we help you live a happier, more productive life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas... That is not the <laughs> that's not the vibe I want to I want to get across. The vibe I've been thinking is, hey guys, on this channel we share the principles, strategies, and tools along our shared journey of living happier, more productive lives. Or you know something yeah. a little bit. That's more why I think weak. the word thoughtful is nice. You won't you won't hear an American say the word thoughtful. <laughs> I'm kidding. Thoughtful. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I think What's thoughtful a, is a good word for the kind of a uh, yeah. I think what you're trying to get at with the whole British versus American thing is. Uh, Maybe a sense of understatedness. Actually, no, I don't know. I don't think yeah, you, no, I you think really it, I think, care I think, about understatedness. No, I mean, I kind of do. I, I care a lot about understanding it. Like anytime, for, so for example, whenever Christian or Angus are helping write scripts for videos, one of the first things is that all of the yous become us instead. So yeah, 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 for, I do that too. So, so, so for example, if we apply Parkinson's law, then we can find that our time increases as opposed to yeah. if you use Parkinson's law, then yeah. you will save more time, which is yeah. so us. Uh, it's so direct. Right. Yeah, so I think thoughtful is a good word. But yeah, I don't see why you care so much about this vision thing. Okay, fine. Maybe I shouldn't care so much. <laughs> it's it's partly because, and, the, and I think this is just turning into a, a sort of life, life slash business coaching session, but that's fine. Um, it's partly because there's uh, there's like a long list of things that we could do with the channel and, and, and the business and stuff. And it's it's now a case about figuring out what the priorities are and what actually makes progress, what moves the needle. So kind of going back to what you were saying, that on a given day just like not really thinking about it and just kind of making the next video right it feel it does make progress but it doesn't it doesn't like move the needle in a substantial way i think the thing that i asked you and this is one of your favorite questions to ask people is like if you won the lottery what would you do yeah. and like i think you said that if you won the lottery you put you wouldn't make as many videos like you would actually live you know do different things you, you would you would be living slightly differently so like yeah basically in the in the limit to use a maths term what would this what would you actually do and that's probably what you what you care about as you're saying if, if i won the lottery what would i do uh yeah but like basically just ignoring the money side of things okay like would so you ignoring... still be churning out three videos a week or whatever probably not right no probably not probably more like uh i'd probably go more on the blog post front and do a lot more reading uh and yeah i'd still i'd still churn out videos because i think i have a good platform which a lot of bloggers would 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 like want to have in that uh, like a lot uh, like like for example uh, realistically very few people listening to this podcast will have read Seth Godin's blog about where he talks about like life advice occasionally it's just it's just like unlikely whereas they're far more likely to see that to watch to sort of come across that material through a YouTube video so I think there is power in the reach that video has compared to for example blog posts so i would still do the video thing just probably less frequently and less like filler content whereas like for example a day in the life vlog feels like filler content why do you why why do you bother with the filler content like what's going to happen if you just do actually do what you want to be doing 
Uh, the filler content is quite like, like people enjoy the filler content. I quite enjoy making it. It's just kind of fun. Um, it, 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 yeah, fine. It's fun. But like you just said, you wouldn't do it if like if it was completely up to you. Actually, no, I probably would. Like, I would love to see Tim Ferriss's uh, Tim Ferriss or Kevin Systrom or like you know someone, <laughs> someone like like a big name do just like generic day in the life vlogs, almost like in the style that I do, where I just I, I literally just film my whole day and then do a voiceover going through it. Like that would be interesting. And so, if I did win the lottery and had the the life of the the sort of person who wins the lottery, it would just be fun to do that. So I probably would. Oh, okay, fair. I don't know. I feel I feel like this is not interesting at all for anyone. But then they say that oh, it doesn't really matter. Just talk about the things that you want to talk about, and if people want to listen, they'll listen. Yeah, I think this has just been a rambly discussion, but I think that's fine. Like we might as well keep at it. I mean, so yesterday, I uh, I had the Bill Gates documentary on in the background yep. uh, on the telly while I was doing some stuff and on the television. Uh, oh, have you got? Have, have we got a new television yet? We do have a new television. Oh, is it? Is it nice? What is it? Yeah, it's nice. It's uh, it's like a a television is basically like this re- black rectangle thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Like, there's a definite difference. We hadn't upgraded the TV in like twelve years or something. Uh, anyway, yeah, Bill Gates documentary, and I and I thought it was interesting because like you know he starts Microsoft and stuff and like do- does all of that. But it seems like at some point he thought, okay, like, I mean, yeah, Bill Gates, you know, 15 years ago or whatever, is about as, I mean, it's way, way more than winning the lottery, right? Like, it's about as, like, unlimited resources as it's humanly possible to be. Yeah, he's basically putting the cheat code for infinite money. Yeah, yeah. He's playing The Sims. He's done the infinite money cheat code. Presumably, he feels the same sense of emptiness that I felt when I used to use that cheat code. Where then it's like this existential thing of like, oh, well, what do I do now? I guess, I guess, <laughs> what's, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. What's the point? I could, but, I could get that nice five, sofa, <laughs> but five CN towers in the in the city. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I mean, it seems like at some point he decided. Uh, yeah, at some point, you know, he thought, okay, how do I actually want to be doing things? Uh, and he concluded that the most useful thing he can do is start this foundation to try and solve big problems in the world, like curing disease and. Uh, you know clean energy and all this kind of stuff and yeah that's that's kind of the question i'm trying to ask you right like what would you care about doing i don't know man (laughs) that's a problem (laughs) i I literally have no idea i think i'd probably i was kind of thinking about this uh when i was thinking about the question that if i if i was going to die in two years how would i change the way i live my life and oh i have i have something else i want to say i'm gonna write that down um i was i was thinking about how i want to i want to live my life and i was thinking i'd probably do I'd probably watch a, a bit more TV shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd probably, I'd, pro- I'd probably play a bit more video games. I'd probably make less videos. Fewer videos. And I wouldn't videos. go to work. I wouldn't, uh, no, less videos. And I wouldn't go to work at all. Um, and then sort of on a similar vein, when I, recently I came across some random ass blog post that was asking, okay, uh, ask yourself what brings you happiness and joy and stuff in your day-to-day life if you want to kind of figure out what to do with your life. And it made this long list of things that bring me happiness and joy. And not one of them like of this list of 20 was related to being a doctor or related to medicine <laughs> and it was only after i started writing this list down that i was like huh wait a minute where does my day job fit into this yeah. and it really didn't it was things like you know i enjoy reading i enjoy kind of writing i enjoy uh you know playing world of warcraft i enjoy hanging out with my friends board games squash uh learning new skills music music stuff music production and then so far down the list was like oh yeah i guess it's kind of fun being a doctor as well yeah and so the uh, the slight crisis I was having there was like okay cool this really doesn't sound like medicine is the thing that I actually want to do with my life 
and I, I feel like I'm, I'm still following that invisible life script of, okay, I guess, I guess I should just be a doctor forever. Hmm. Yeah, that hmm. seems suboptimal. But I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of people, people would have this issue in that, like, almost everyone can relate to the idea that, oh, I don't know, I don't know what to do with my life. Yeah, for sure. Whereas it seems like you've got it all figured out. That you want to change the way people think about numbers, or is it not? Is it not actually that figured out? No, I've got it figured out. I've got it down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I care about this numbers thing. I genuinely care about this numbers thing. If I won the lottery, I'd still get, I'd still be doing the numbers thing, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, I care about it, and I I think yeah, I do occasionally think that hmm, it's nice. It's nice to have this thing that I care about because you know, I, yeah, often like when talking to friends and stuff. I think there's a general sense among a lot of people, you know, in their 20s where, you know, you've now sort of been working in a job for a couple of years, you know, two to five years. And you're kind of thinking, okay, like, what what next? Like, is this is this going to be the rest of my life? Like, what do I do? What do I care about? All of this kind of stuff. And it is genuinely hard to think of something that you care about. And I do often think, man... I'm glad I I'm glad I've got this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I care about numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's hard. But you know, you've got to be asking the hard questions. Something so about you... a life a life uh, the unexamined life or something. <laughs> oh <So>, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Um a few months ago I had had a sort of vision which I I I sort of had in my in my mind for the last like 2 years almost and that was like a a north star for me in terms of kind of where I'm heading. And that vision was that I wanted to be the uh this is gonna sound weird. I think this is the first time I've said it out loud. This is cringy. <laughs> I know this I know what's cringy. coming. <laughs> I, I I was thinking I want to be the most famous medical educator in the world. <laughs> yeah. What the and, hell were you thinking? <laughs> well yeah, what the hell was I thinking? I mean kind of thinking thinking about that. I still think it's it's something it's something that I care about. But it's not something I care about that if I won the lottery, that would be the thing that I would do, that I would I would make videos about physiology or something. But that very much felt like, okay, cool. Like once I once I had that phrase in my head, I was like, oh, great. I don't have to think about this anymore because I'm just going to move move sort of slowly in that direction. Yeah, I remember when you used to say this and I, I, I very I got that. I very much got that idea of like, okay, he, he spent he spent like half an hour thinking, hmm, I need a I need a phrase. I need a vision. I need a goal. <laughs> All right, so most famous medical educator in the world. And then you'd like parrot this thing occasionally. <laughs> and I, yeah, I kind of think like, what, what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> and I think I told you this. <laughs> I think you did, yeah. It was, on, it was a few months ago when I was on a ski trip with some friends uh, where I, kinda, I was parroting this thing to one of my mates who's sort of been a mentor. Uh, and I was like, yeah. And he was like, is that what you really want? Like, yeah. Is that what you actually want to do? You, no one gets a cringe pass for that. I'll, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, yeah, and 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 then, and then I spent like three hours thinking about that. I was like, damn, is that really what I want to do? And then I realized that actually the the main reason that was my that was my vision was that I was feeling very risk averse. In that the path to becoming like a a big medical educator is the sort of thing that uh, it sort of gets easier the older you get, and it it, it means that there's always going to be a bit of a market for it. So it was it, it was based on all these sorts of assumptions that. Okay, let's assume the YouTube channel dies and all my side businesses die and this and that and this and that and everything goes to crap. At least I'll still have this thing of being always being able to teach physiology because that's something that's always going to be in demand. <laughs> Which feels like like a very <laughs> a very like passe way of <laughs> figuring out what to do with your life in your 20s. Yeah, I also find the framing of like I want to be the most famous ex. Oh, I that's... mean yeah, that, but but that's just a proxy for uh, uh, it's a it's a, it's a proxy in the attention economy that the more viewers you have, it's a reasonable proxy for the more the most value you're providing. Yeah, maybe. 
It's like a proxy for providing value at scale. Yeah, sure. I can understand that. And like, believe me, I cringe like harder than you do when I when I kind of use that phrase. <laughs> um, but now kind of in the in the absence of like an easy kind of North Star to shoot for. I don't know. I just don't know what to do, man. And August is, is, is looming more and more closely now where I'll be officially unemployed and therefore won't have this default thing that I do with 45 to 60 hours a week. Look, my issue with that, I, I understand the proxy thing, but it still seems rather focused on the self, you know? Like, Bill, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Bill Gates is not in his head thinking, ah, I want to be the guy that solves world hunger. He's thinking, I'd like world hunger to be, you know, <laughs> I'd like to solve world hunger. <laughs> and so you're, you're like most famous medical educator or something. It's like, I want to be the guy that's like something <laughs> rather than like, this is the actual thing I want to like to accomplish. Um, that's because Bill Gates has uh, one, has, has the unlimited money cheat code. Okay, sure. But like, if someone asks you your vision or whatever, that is like assuming the unlimited money cheat code or whatever. It's like, you know, there is some assumption of like in an ideal world, this is what I'd like to be moving towards. Uh, I don't think the Bill Gates scenario applies here as well, because in a way it would be like it would be like a singer or like a magician kind of wanting to be wanting to have the the best selling album or like sell out the biggest number of seats and stuff like in a way it is a it is a proxy for popularity. And yeah. if if for, if, for example, a an, a singer were to say that they want like they want to hit number one on the charts for their album. Yeah. That, that would be the thing they're aiming for. But that's also, but for example, Bill Gates wouldn't say that because he's not, it's not, it's not a performing art that he's in. Right. And I view teaching and like teaching on in, in, in public as being more of a performing art. Okay. Fair. Yeah. And therefore popularity becomes a proxy for value in that case. Whereas in Bill Gates scenario, it isn't. Yeah. Okay. I think that makes sense. Um, but that's not really what I want to do with my life anymore. So that's all completely irrelevant so yeah in the in in the absence of that sort of line uh to sort of parrot uh, to myself and to others like what the hell do i do <laughs> buy tv buy playstation stop playing call of duty <laughs> seems like everyone's playing cod these days <laughs> and animal crossing yeah what the hell is animal crossing it's uh my understanding i've seen a lot of people tweeting about it it is this game on the nintendo switch where you're you're some sort of raccoon some sort of like raccoon type animal and you're kind of, it's, it's, it seems like it's a bit like The Sims. You can have a house. You can have your own. No, I think everyone gets an island or something. You can like design your own island. You can like build a house and stuff. It's just like a free-roaming, world-creating game. It's like Minecraft, but you're a raccoon. And then there's this guy called Tom Nuke that you have to like kill at the end or something. That's my understanding of it. Oh, okay. Why is it taking the world by storm? I think it's just like escapism. It's just like... Uh, yeah, I, I totally get it. Like, I remember in summer after year 11, my friends and I, we had our own little sort of Minecraft server um, with just a handful of people. And we just kind of like living in the Minecraft world for a, a few days. <laughs> and building buildings and stuff just for the sake of building them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nice. it's, it's the infinite game, bro. <laughs> it is the definition of the infinite game. <laughs> I think I recently bought that book on Kindle. Finite infinite games. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried reading it? <laughs> Uh, no, I haven't yet. Is it hard to read? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how far did you get in? I don't know, like not very far. <laughs> Four pages, yeah. That's it. It's on the to read list. On the topic of like this whole lottery winning thing, I yeah, I think it's a useful thought experiment to think about like what will you do in the limit of something? And I always wonder like what does socializing look like in the limit? You know, like let's say 
let's say everyone was like immortal. No, let's say you're like immortal or something. And I don't know, let's say like you're on an island with your, with some people. You're on an island with like, let's say one other person. Okay. You're immortal on this island. Like halfway through your immortality. What are you going to be talking about? <laughs> like what do you like there's there's a very good there's a book on transaction analysis which i'll do some prep prep on this week and then maybe we can talk about it next week it's called what do you say after you say hello uh and i i really liked that title because yeah i, I often think that like what um what what do, yeah what do you talk about after you've talked about everything i sometimes wonder that in the context of being married like if you're married to someone yeah, for like yeah, 30 yeah. years yeah what the hell do you talk about when you're sitting there but other than like hey look darling there's a, a kingfisher outside or something I, I don't know yeah i mean no no so i think like yeah i think based on my sort of loose thinking about this i think yeah i think you there's always just going to be new inputs which will create yeah, definitely thoughts we're, we're, which is why the island situation is a bit artificial because yeah i guess you're not you're not really doing anything extra on an island yeah, and you yeah. can always do the whole "How was your day, honey?" because you know theoretically the day will have been so, somewhat interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think I, yeah, I, I just thought that, like, yeah, there's always going to be like new inputs. Yeah, the "How was your day?" thing is interesting because like, uh, like a few years ago, before I had, I had, I had been in a relationship. Um, I would always wonder that, like, why do, like, what do people in relationships talk about? And it seems like <laughs> how, hey, how was your day was like a generic kind of opener text message. And I'd be like, what the hell? Like, who cares? Like, why, why, why do you actually care? And then kind of when I was like in a relationship or like had like a massive crush on someone, um, which unfortunately never quite coincided. Um, <laughs> um, Damn. I, I realized that I actually really did care about what the day was. And I just wanted to hear their voice and wanted to hear them speak. And I was like, oh, this is what people, yeah, this man. is the value that people get from this It's really not about the content. It's not about the day. <laughs> yeah, and to, to some extent, I think that in the limit, the ultimate state of like, is like, you don't even need to talk. You're just like, you're on your island in silence and you're both like, <sighs> getting getting value from the human connection. <laughs> I think speaking is a crutch. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, true. No, it's like in, in it's, I think this is partly why I really used to enjoy exam term because we'd end up all like me and my, my gang, we don't end up hanging out in the same place, but just not talking. <laughs> and therefore you get all the benefits of the human connection without any of the pains of the human connection. <laughs> We'd all be on our laptops, just in the same room. I think that is, yeah. that's the pinnacle. Straight vibing. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I think we should start to wrap this up. And I have an insight of the week. Um, that came out of a couple of conversations this week. So I had a couple of conversations this week. Uh, the first was with um, this um, chap called Martin Neal. Uh, he's a professor at Queen Mary's. And I I reached out to him almost two years ago when I first had the idea for Causal and I was like thinking of leaving my job and like exploring this. I reached out to him and we met up and we're just like chatting about the space. Like he's, um, you know, his research is like very much in line with all this probability stuff if you will and he's actually started a company uh that has developed a product that's not a million miles away from causal it's just like way more technical um and so in in a sense we're trying to like take that kind of product idea mainstream uh so i met up with this guy and we're like we chatted about this stuff and then uh he came across causal recently and uh and he recognized my name or something uh and then we like exchanged some emails and and said we should catch up and so we caught up this week we had like a call and there was a real sense of like that we were kindred spirits in some way that like we were speaking the same language and we were like we were na- we were kind of navigating the same headspace and like 
we'd been through like all the same like thought processes and stuff and like i'd say something and he'd like he'd like immediately get what i mean because he's kind of gone through the same thing himself like i said this thing of like he was asking like okay like yeah what what kind of stuff have you guys learned you know while you've been doing this like and i said one of the most unexpected things was that uh we found out that people just really care about pretty charts and how nice things look uh and then he's like, ah, oh, and then you feel really dirty, don't you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, and like, there was like a bunch, and like, like, he'd been like through some very, very similar thing. And, and yeah, you just like, you're just like profoundly connected in this one domain. And then there was another guy I chatted to earlier this week, um, who's actually basically working on exactly the same idea as us. Um, he's, yeah, started working on this a few months ago. Um, and we were just kind of chatting. Um, you know, seeing if there might be anything we can learn from each other and all this kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, again, like there was just this profound sense of of connectedness, kinship, that we were somehow like, that there's like a dozen of us in the world and like we're all like living in this fantasy land in our heads where we're thinking about all, all of these same things. And it's just so cool to like, to like meet, you know, to, to sort of chat to someone and experience that connection. And I think it's just like so, so rare. I I think this week I yeah felt it with these two people. Apart from that, yeah. So actually, on that on that note, so that that description brought brought to mind a few things. I think I've had those sorts of connections very occasionally. Like if I'm for 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 example, I think this is why medics love to talk about medicine because you're mm-hmm. connecting on that sort of shared experience. You've got the same in jokes, like you know what the what the score is. Yeah, and so something that's that's absolutely hilarious will only be absolutely hilarious to the people that are in the know. Yeah. And it's just like a really nice, nice thing to talk about. Secondly, I remember having that experience. I think, I think sometime last year where I met up with some, some dude who watches, watches the vids and he was starting his own blog and he'd also read like all of the stuff. So normally when I talk to people giving advice about starting a blog, it's fairly kind of surface level. It's like obvious yeah, things yeah, yeah. like, you know, yeah. first of all, convincing them that you should actually have a blog. Yeah, Secondly, sure, sure. you know, talking to them about consistency. But this guy knew all of that. So we could be, I think I might even mention this on the podcast at the time because this really, this really stuck with me uh, like last year. Yeah. Um, it was something like, uh, we, we, we were talking about um, how his parents felt about it. And he was like, yeah. So my mom was like, what's the point of having a blog? And I was like, mom, like, why wouldn't you have a blog? I mean, come on. <laughs> And it was just so, so obvious that, of course, you should have a blog. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, just like, it, it feels like a kindred spirit. Like, we're yeah. speaking the same language. I don't have to convince him that you need a blog because he, right. he, he knows he knows you need a blog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also more recently, when I started meeting up with more YouTubers, so through VidCon in London and then through this uh, thing that there's this other creator called Hannah Witten set up where there were just like 14 of us just in a room and chatting about YouTube stuff. A lot of the experiences associated with that like essentially having your own memes almost yeah like yeah. for example on youtube there's that analytics page right at the start that you see when you open up the creators <laughs> app that tells you how your video was doing relative to the previous 10 videos okay and if you have if you if you if, if you look at that screen and you see 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 your heart sinks <laughs> and you end up having this like existential crisis of like oh my god people have finally realized that my my videos are crap and you know it's all going to come crumbling down and I have that feeling and I, I mentioned it to like a few other people and they were like, oh my God, like literally every, every week I have that exact same feeling. <laughs> I've not been able to tell anyone else about it because no one else can relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it feels like you're really sort of connecting on that, on that yeah, kind of plane. Yeah, it's feels, such, it's such a nice. special thing. But the thing that it made me think was that like we have an awful lot in common with, with our fellow human beings and like wouldn't oh, it be nice if, if you could feel that sense of connection with everyone? And I think this is like, yeah, all these various enlightened figures throughout time. This is it, man. This is... Uh, this is what all the like 
love everyone stuff is about. It's about being able to feel that profound sense of connection with with your fellow man, regardless of the of the specific fellow man. You know, how do we go about feeling that connection with our fellow man? Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> my other, th- we'll my, so, figure that out yeah, over time. While, while we're talking about my insights of the week, my other one was about the electric toothbrush, <laughs> which I got oh, this week as nice. a result of your it? recommendation. It was messy to start off with. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, mate. <laughs> well, so you put the toothpaste on and then you press the button and watch the toothpaste fly yeah. across the entire bathroom yeah, rather much. than put it in your mouth first and then start the button. Yeah, I thought, okay, I've, I've, wet the, I've wet the brush, I put the toothpaste on, then I wet it again, and then I press the button <laughs> and it just goes everywhere. <laughs> That's one of those things that they don't really tell you in the instruction guide, but you, you discover very quickly. This is like yeah. learning in its purest form. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh damn, I don't know what I expected." <laughs> yeah. And then no, so like the next day, I figured, okay, I'm going to put it in my mouth first, uh, and then, uh, but then like as you do it right, it's always spinning, and like you're kind of you know as you brush your teeth, you're sort of producing saliva, right? But with an electric mm. toothbrush, you have to keep your mouth closed so it doesn't like fly everywhere because it's like, you know. Oh no, y- y- I-, I have my mouth slightly open. Really, and my and my head angled in a way that means the saliva doesn't fall out. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, and then you like yeah, spit halfway through or something. No, I don't. Uh, I, I I think I had to initially when I, uh, b- but now because the last few months of using it, I have my, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So today, today I think it was my first one where I didn't spit, and I thought, oh, okay, I'm I'm improving. <laughs> you know, <laughs> always making progress. Pure uh, pure learning, absolutely. Yeah, uh, that was that was your insight. Spitting halfway through is not necessary. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. And on that note, I think we should read read a review. Do you have any reviews up? Get a review. Oh yeah, I was going to talk about the personal assistant, but I'll we can we can can talk about that next week when it's been. So far, I've I've been with her for a week. That sounds weird to say. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is it going well? I think so. Okay, so this review comes from Johnny West three, not to be confused with Johnny West one or two, uh, in Great Britain. Or Johnny East 3. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> okay, I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> I think birthday parties in bar mitzvahs as well. <laughs> uh, the title is Somehow Boring but Very Effective. Uh, Johnny says, I listen to the podcast as white noise while trying to study, which is fairly ironic seen as that is how I discovered Ali's work. The topics are usually... <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> that was a damning indictment. <laughs> The topics are usually very mundane, but this seems to be an effective way of keeping me focused on the work I'm trying to do. If my, if my train of thought is disturbed for whatever reason, I shall listen to whatever you're saying for 30 seconds or so, and then realize that whatever I was reading was probably more invigorating than the topic at hand. Thanks, guys. <laughs> is that a five-star review? That is a five-star review. Oh, amazing. Thank you, Johnny West. Uh, so I'll, you know, I'll take it. Fantastic. Yeah, it says, good guys, know that there is tangible value that people are getting. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening and we'll, we'll, we'll see you next week. Cool. Bye-bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.